Have you heard this phrase, perhaps, in popular culture? See the win. See the win. Imagine yourself winning. I think it was perhaps Michael Phelps and some other Olympians that were talking about this idea of visualization that that sports or an athlete, it's not just about the skill development and, and the hard work, it's much of that, but also it's a mental game. So many, like Michael Phelps, will imagine and visualize the win before they do it. I've also heard that Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator himself, would use that for bodybuilding, that he would visualize his, the physique he was going for. Then he brought that idea into movies and so forth, right? Conan, visualization. And then even his uh, business and political life, he used that he would see the win before he did it. Now, I can't really say that I have done that, like pictured the win in any context, but I have connected it to Uh, Many of you have heard that idea from the uh, seven habits of highly effective people. Habit number two. Anyone know that one? Begin with the end in mind. Get that picture. If if you have no picture of where you're going, you're probably not going to get there, right? But this idea, a valuable life skill... It is to imagine or visualize or see the, vi- the win, what you're striving for, what you're moving towards, how you're, you're seeking to get there. And as you imagine the end, as you get that vision, then you begin to make decisions in the day-to-day leading to that vision. That, in one sense, is what we've been trying to do the last couple of weeks in our vision series. We've been trying to help us to see, I don't know if I'd call it win, but but see where we're going. See the picture that we believe the Spirit of God, the call, the vision that the Spirit of God has placed on this church. Two weeks ago, we talked a lot about the assignment, believing that God is a God who is on mission, that God is at work in this world. And amazingly, he invites us to be the ones that join him in living his agenda, his assignment. So the the Christian life is a life that is on assignment, grand assignments and small. We saw in the Apostle Paul, he had some grand assignments, like he was gonna share the gospel with all the Gentiles. Two weeks ago, we saw a smaller one where he said, I'm going to Rome, called to share the gospel with Caesar. And Paul, even though he was shipwrecked, even though he experienced some hardship, he didn't give up, but he re-upped. He lived that assignment. And then last week, Pastor Jedediah led us in one of the, the, the most intriguing passages of Scripture, I think especially in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 47. Do you remember that scripture? For those of you who weren't here or weren't watching, it was this uh, angel shows Ezekiel the prophet, the temple, and there's this trickle of water coming out. And all of a sudden, the trickle is starting to grow and it becomes ankle high and then knee high and then 
waist high. And then the, the trickle becomes such a, a movement of water, you can swim in the water. It's a picture of God's blessing. Jedediah showed us a, a screen of the, the tabernacle. Can we go to that first uh, PowerPoint where it's the tabernacle in the center and the, and the tribes of Israel, the people of God were surrounding that. The idea of God's blessing starting at the center, the tabernacle, the throne, and flowing out to the children of God and blessing the whole earth. Then if we could go to the next one, this picture of SCC, this idea of re- receiving God's blessing and favor the streams of living water and our kingdom life communities are meant to be those places where the children of God are living, experiencing the blessing and the favor of God and sharing that with others. And then someday, we, I thought we were going to do it this weekend, but someday soon, we're going to put our vision to give us a picture of, go to the next screen, of our KLCs, and imagine Jedediah was aggressive and put 43 KLCs up there. We've basically said 30 is our goal by 2025, where we would be the children of God living the kingdom life, drinking of the streams of living water, and sharing that, loving our neighbors with the presence and power of the living God. That's seeing or, or visualizing our, what God, we believe, is doing in our midst. Now, I want to deepen this just a little bit, this idea of vision and where we're going, and I want to do it with this question. Do you think that Jesus had a vision in mind of what God was calling him to accomplish? Do you think that Jesus had a picture? Was he obeying habit number two of begin with the end in mind? I don't know if I would say that he was visualizing like a Arnold Schwarzenegger necessarily, but do you think that Jesus had that picture of what he was doing? That's kind of an intriguing question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that question. And I want to suggest to you that I believe he did. I believe when he would leave the crowds after ministry and and the Lord, the, the Father, would connect with Jesus, that they would talk about this vision. And this morning, we are going to look at the text that I believe was what Jesus had in mind of the vision of the end. And appropriately so, if you're looking at the end, if you're looking for the vision, where should we go in Scripture? The very, yes, Revelation, and not only Revelation, Rod, but the very last chapter in all of Scripture, Revelation 22. If you brought your Bibles, open there to Revelation 22. Now, Revelation 21 begins this end picture where that you know, we don't end up in heaven and we're not flying on clouds, actually. 
What happens is, many people don't know this, is that the new Jerusalem, the city of God, which is presently in heaven, Revelation 21 shows a picture of the city resting on earth and the presence of God in our midst with his children. That's Revelation 21. And then Revelation 22 picks up and develops this picture of the end, and we're going to start at verse 1. <clears throat> says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Does that ring a bell with anyone? The river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Who's the lamb? Jesus. Interesting about this is Revelation begins with a picture of the throne. And you know who's on the throne? Only God the Father. At the end, there's an addition there. Did you catch that? The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. I'd like to suggest the Christian church knew Christ was divine from the very beginning. Part of the picture. Down the middle of the great street of the city. What city? Jerusalem has come down to earth. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now, I hope that you noticed right away a tremendous crossover with Ezekiel 47, what Jedediah looked at. But where I really want you to see, what I want you to see, and where you really begin to understand the depth of the vision, is if you realize not only its connection to Ezekiel 47, but its connection to Genesis and the Garden of Eden. And I want to suggest that perhaps the Father had talked about the Garden of Eden with Jesus and painted this picture. Let's unpack it for just a moment. Look at verse 1 again. The river of the water of life. So there is from the throne room flowing from the city of Jerusalem and then out to the world. It's reminiscent of Genesis 2 10 through 14, we're not going to read all of those four verses, but in the Genesis story, it spends quite a bit of time talking about four 
rivers, that the source of this water is in the Garden of Eden, and the four rivers are flowing from the garden. It simply says, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. This river, river of life, gave life to the garden and now flowing to the rest of the earth to bring nourishment and life. It's a picture of God's grace and mercy and goodness and favor. It's a picture of God's blessing. In Ezekiel, we saw it flowing from the temple, the, the tabernacle. Right, And it was flowing, and through the children of God, the trees were lining the river, and it says the trees had produced fruit. And what did that fruit do? It was for healing for the nations. It was the favor of God, the blessing of God. The water filling the trees, producing fruit, and bringing healing and restoration. Let's look at the tree of life. Interesting, yielding fruit every month, and it refers to, did that make you think of the Garden of Eden at all? It says, the tree of life. You know, in the the story of the Garden of Eden, we all remember that he says, um, you cannot eat from the tree the good uh, knowledge of good and evil. But he talks about two trees in the Garden of Eden. Listen to when he says, uh, Genesis 2.9, in the middle of the garden where the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil were. Now, did God forbid Adam and Eve to uh, eat of either the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He did not. He forbid them to not eat one the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But they were free to eat, in fact, intention to eat of the tree of life, that they would keep eating from that tree, Adam and Eve, and that would give them eternal life. It was only after that they rebelled, after that they disobeyed God, that they were removed from the garden and therefore access to the tree of life. Listen to verse 22 in Genesis Three, it says, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil, Diso- disobeyed him. He must not be allowed to reach out of his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. They were removed from the garden, removed from the tree of life. Now, what do we see in Revelation 22? That tree of life is producing fruit every month and the children of God are granted access and it's all the fruit, it's eternal life to take in and continue to receive the life, the healing, and the favor of God. Also, I want to draw your attention to the idea of curse. Did you hear that pronouncement in verse 3? Simply says in Revelation 22, no longer will there be any curse in this new city, the city of Jerusalem, 
in this picture of the end. Perhaps that caused some of you to think also of Genesis chapter 3 and the fall of humankind. In fact, in their rebellion, a curse is pronounced to the snake, creation, the woman, and then to the man. Listen to the one to the man. Cursed, cursed is the ground because of you, because of your rebellion, because of your disobedience. Not only was mankind, but also all of creation was cursed. Through painful toil you will eat food from all the days, for all the days of your life. Important to note that humankind was the crown jewel of creation. They were the stewards of creation in the Garden of Eden. When they fell, all of creation fell and brought in things like pandemics and hurricanes and cancer and disease. Not how God created the original Garden of Eden, But because of the rebellion of the crown jewel of creation, now all of creation suffers in that way. A pronouncement of a curse. What does verse 3 say again? Revelation 22, picture of the end. No more curse. All things like pandemics, and hurricanes, depression, divorce, you name it. None of that, all of that is removed. Verse 4 says, They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Perhaps the greatest loss of Adam and Eve, the greatest loss of the Garden of Eden was the intimacy and relationship with our Creator. It was a loss of a life in His presence, in His goodness, in relationship with Him. That's what we were created for and that is at the heart of what we lost in that rebellion humankind, and yet now, the picture of the end, Revelation 22, we see his face, we get to live life the way it was truly intended, in his presence, in an intimate relationship with him. We won't even need lamps or the sun because the glory of his presence will fill our lives. The commentator said that is the greatest loss of the garden and that is the greatest gift of Revelation 22 is we get to again live life with him, God with us. And then finally, verse five, and they will reign forever and ever. Again, this is rooted in the Genesis story 
It's been referred to as the divine mandate that God said before they fell. He said he set them in the garden. He says, listen, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, and I want you to rule and reign in creation. Not in such a way that um, rules over and, 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 and crushes creation, but in such a way that stewards and brings life to creation. Listen to this in Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This was that divine mandate when we were kicked out of the garden. We lost that divine mandate. We gave over our ability to steward and rule and reign to the enemy. And yet the picture of the end, Revelation 22, verse 5. Look at it again with me or hear it again. And they will reign. Who's the they? You and I forever and ever. This is a picture of the end. Now I can just imagine Jesus after a long day of ministry and we're told that he would sneak away and spend time with the Father. Just imagine him saying, my son, I want to remind you of what was lost. I want to remind you of Ezekiel 47, that that picture of the the fullness and completion of of all that was lost. I I want to disciple you in this because You're going to appear to John on the island at the end of Scripture, and you're going to need to give him as a resurrected Lord Jesus this picture of the end. And I imagine Jesus gaining strength and hope and purpose from this vision, this picture of what he and his father were doing, the restoration of all things. Now, can you imagine if we were to create a church that visualized this, Revelation 22, as the end? In fact, I think that's what church is supposed to be. I think that church and the Christian life is meant to see the end and live life and live and minister based on that. Just like the Olympic athlete that is seeing the win, how much more are we called to see the win, to understand what God is doing, and then incredibly today cooperate with Him? Boy, that would be a fun church, wouldn't it? Would that be a church you'd want to be a part of? That would be a church I'd want to be a part of that I would want to align my life with. Now, but before we talk about a few of those details, I'm going to share this story and, and invite my friend Paul Hennigan up here 
Paul, if you want to come and we'll just stand right here real quick. And um, I'll put my mask on if you take yours off. And Paul is, was an elder a number of years ago. I don't remember how many years ago. That, maybe five years ago? He doesn't remember either. So neither of us remember how long ago it was. But he was an elder. And I asked the elder team and the staff team if they would spend some time in prayer and fasting for the vision of our church. And so we took a couple of weeks to pray and fast and seek the Lord, and we're going to gather together and share anything that the Lord revealed. And Paul called me up before we got together, and he said, I don't know if you remember this, and he said, Pastor, um, boy, I got this really vivid picture in my mind and I don't think I've had a picture this vivid and he shared it with me. Paul, would you share that picture real quick? Sure. The thing that I was impressed with was basically um, the stream we have out in front of the church, River of Grace. And what was put upon me in um, my mind was people standing on either side of Grace River. And in that time, everybody turned and faced Colorado Springs. And as they did that, water began to come out of their feet and flowing down towards Colorado Springs. I had no idea what the significance of that was. I didn't know if it was significant. But I shared it with Pastor because he asked us to pray about it, and that was the impression that I had. And I said, Paul, that is crazy. Don't share that. You don't want people to think you're crazy. I said, Paul, share it. Not sure of the significance. And so we gathered together, and just as Paul was working up the courage to share this, it was Sean Shunk, who was our youth director, that shared this. Do you want to share what Sean shared? Um, and this part of it was probably the most impactful for me. Matter of fact, I was taken aback and, and got very emotional and had goosebumps because Sean shared in detail the exact same description. People standing either side of Grace River, turning towards Colorado Springs and water flowing from their feet. And Sean and I had never discussed, I didn't even know Sean that well because I was involved with a youth group. And as he shared that, um, I wasn't sure that I could share what I had said. And if Paul wouldn't have shared it with me, we would have thought Paul was just copying. <laughs> Thank you, Paul, for sharing that. I appreciate that. There has been a number of, you could call, prophetic words that are related to this idea of water and water flowing in our midst. In fact, the other part of Sean's picture was this building, that this building was flooded as if it was you know, overwhelmed with water and people were walking in this building up to their ankles in water. There's been others like Marilyn Henney and Veda Riley have received pictures of water connected to this church. As I dreamed, I wish I was more visual as Paul and others are, but I believe he's given me that picture of streams flowing from this hill. 
this church. And I continue to ask, Lord, what are you doing? How do we cooperate with those pictures? How do we align what we're doing with what you're saying you will do? In fact, I just heard a, a pastor share about all prophetic literature is really two things. Prophetic literature is God is saying, this is what I'm going to do. And, I'm, and second thing is, this is how I'm inviting you to join me in it. And so as I wrestle through and pray through those visions given, God, this is what you want to do, okay? And how do we cooperate with you in that? So just a few ways in which I want to mention that we're cooperating with the Lord in this. The first is this, is that I believe that the river is flowing right now in the here and now, that the favor, the goodness, the blessing of God is flowing. And there is an invitation from us continually to drink. If you look at verse, 20, uh, verse 17 in Revelation 22, after this picture of the end, almost the last verse, not quite, but we're getting there, it says, the spirit and the bride the church, say come, and let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. There's this invitation continually and present right now that we would drink, that we would partake. I believe that when Jesus was speaking, in John chapter 7, verses 37, 38, and 39, that Jesus had this picture of Revelation 22 in mind. He said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That wasn't a word for the future. This was a word and invitation of Jesus for the here and now. Part of our response, I believe, to Revelation 22 is we simply drink. We take of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. We recognize, you know, the, the prayer team that's prays before the service, boy, we're praying. We're praying that you would come this morning thirsty for the presence of God, longing for more of Him. Our vision as a church is that our worship services and our kingdom life communities would be like watering holes, would be community surrounding the presence of the Lord, that, the, that our communities would be those 
times where we're gathering together, whether it's on a Sunday morning, whether it's in homes during our Kingdom Life communities, that we would be gathering and we wouldn't just be a, a book club or even a Bible study or a small group, but that we would be gathered in the name of Christ Jesus, in his presence and through his word and through our prayers for one another, we would be drinking the streams of river of life. Yes? Let me just give you a quick example uh, of that. We would see these um, um, two weeks ago, or I think it was two weeks ago. I don't know if you noticed, and those who are watching on camera, I was just touched by the worship, and I began to cry. And then I came and did communion, and I had to keep it together because I was crying a little bit. And then David Manzione, our youth director, comes up, and I thought he was crying, but I think he just had something in his eye that was, no, he was crying. He had to, like, get it together. What was that? Was it just emotion? I guess you could say it was emotion. I don't think so. I think it was the stream of living water that was flowing into us. Our KLC got together last time we got together and we, we, were, uh, we, we looked at actually Ezekiel 47 and Revelation 22. We studied it and then we decided to pray for one another. And we're just praying for one another and just felt like the Lord said, I want you all to pray for one individual in the KLC. I won't name the individual or anything like that. And uh, she didn't even ask for prayer in particular. I just felt like that's what the Lord was doing. And so we all just listened on her behalf. And we prayed. And then when we asked it, what did you experience? She said, you know, it was like a big warm hug from the Lord. We were socially distanced, but her husband was right next to her. We were like, are you sure your husband wasn't the... She's like, no, no, no. He's not that warm. He's not that big. But can you imagine if our worship services and our Kingdom Life communities, people were experiencing big, warm hugs from the Lord? Sign me up for that. We're referring to those as essential ministries because we, that's an invitation to all of us to drink from the streams that are flowing when we gather together. I want to draw your attention also to the trees because I think this relates to how we're trying to cooperate is the trees, I believe, represent, especially in Ezekiel 47, the church. They're pointing us to the church. And as the church, we're seeking to be renewed and we're seeking to bless. To be renewed and to bless. Listen to this picture of, of the... Um, as soon as uh, Jedediah was preaching in Ezekiel 47, I thought of Psalm 1 this invitation of someone who's seeking life from the Lord, 
who's meditating on the word of God, it says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. I think we're trying, we're seeking to allow the Lord as we drink deeply of him to transform us from the inside out, the, the deep spiritual formation that comes from the Lord. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, not only all of creation was broken, but each of us, there was a broken, there was a taintedness, there was a separation. And part of the Christian life is receiving new life in Christ Jesus and then being transformed into the life that was lost. And so we form many ministries. We are calling them empowering ministries that we want to be a part of, that we are seeking to grow and learn. That's what our um, ambassador You've heard our ambassador huddles. That's the idea of learning and growing in a five-fold way. Our house of prayer, those empowering ministries to, to grow and learn in that way. Days of the kingdom, that's what we just started that. There was a number of years ago, another former staff person, Ben Brooks, some of you recognize that name. And we're in the midst of days of the kingdom, and he said, Eric, I feel like you're teaching people to swim, but we don't have a swimming pool for them yet. That was before we had kingdom life communities. We only had small groups. I said, okay, days of the kingdom, need to see people this past Wednesday to look at a paradigm shift that would bring us from just church to a kingdom-centered, a kingdom-saturated community of faith that's drinking deeply of the Lord and then being restored and sharing that living water with others. It's a big paradigm shift, isn't it? And that relates to our final piece, just drawing your attention to the curse. The curse that not only do we drink deeply of the, the stream, not only are we transformed by that stream, empowered by that stream, but we join him in the healing of all the effects of the curse. We won't arrive there. We won't. There will be pandemics until the Lord comes back. There will be brokenness of the world. But remember, Revelation 22 is the end picture. I just realized I'm using the mic that I don't in my, that's funny. You were waiting for me to realize that, yeah. All right. Is that good? I was like, this feels funny. Okay. This idea that we would join him in the healing and the restoration of this world that we're not in the stands, that we don't just cheer on God and go, man, that was great, God, that was great, God. But we allow his presence and power to flow 
in us and through us. It's the fruit of the trees that is the healing of the nation. It's not your own power. It's not your own skill. But it's the power of God flowing in you and through you that brings healing and restoration. Listen to this picture of the early church, Acts 5. This is from Acts 5, and it says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were being added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. That was the church. That was the church being the church. That was the church with Revelation 22 at its center. That was the church with the kingdom of God saturating their understanding of who they are and what their calling is. That was the church that understood that God was giving them gifts to bless the nations. That God was offering this stream of life and newness and favor and blessing blessing and grace so that we would be transformed and we would transform the world and people would come to receive more and more from God. In our vision, we, we are calling them serving ministries, ministries like the soup kitchen and celebrate recovery Ministries like Missing Jesus. I'm convinced that many of us Christians don't understand the central tenet of the message of Christ. We've not understood Revelation 22. We've not understood the restoration of all things. And let alone the world does not understand what Jesus was up to and what he is up to. Can you imagine people finding community with people who get it? And then us talking about the real Jesus, the biblical Jesus, the historical Jesus, what his message was, and praying and people receiving healing and restoration and newness. Would you think about the curse for a moment that's present right here in Colorado Springs? Calvin prayed for it, the anxiety and the depression, the suicide that's running rampant, the, the divorce rates that are up, the, the racism, the injustice. I haven't even gotten to the physical ailments, the cancer, the pandemic. We are in the midst of a broken world. And the Lord is looking for communities of faith that get it and are seeking to share the grace, the favor, the love of God with our neighbors. I was asking, I was talking with the consistory about this and one of our deacons, Sean Donahue said, Donahue said, um, 
He said, man, we should have this picture, this map, but also online. Because what if someone in Missouri wants to do Missing Jesus? Then even though we won't be able to put it in the atrium, we'll be able to put it online. And that got me excited. Can you imagine waters of living, streams of living waters flowing from this place and then hitting all the states internationally, the love of God, us finding those churches and joining with those churches and ministering the goodness and the favor and the grace of God. That's a neat picture, isn't it? Let's go to our our second to last screen. Just a reminder, our, our values... If the worship team would want to come forward, I've used every minute allowed to me. We have uh, three values, sacred friendships, deep spiritual formation, empowered witness. Do you see those values and their connection with Revelation 22? Do you see it? And then we have a few of these ministries that we are trusting for 2025, that we have seven Kingdom Life communities now. We're praying, longing for 30 plus. We're praying for ambassador huddles that are made up of three to 12 folks where people would be empowered and learning swim lessons. We're also praying for 100 people brand new in 2025 would go through Missing Jesus 100 plus and experience that. I began with this idea of visualization. And so I want to invite you at home and in the sanctuary, would you just close your eyes for a moment? And could we visualize Revelation 22 for a moment. Can you imagine the throne of God? God himself enthroned in the center of the universe and the Lamb, Jesus, next to him. And the seven lampstands before the throne, which is the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine water flowing from the throne? And as we worship him, people drinking of his goodness, his favor, his blessing. Can you imagine neighborhoods, in living rooms, people bowed in prayer and laying hands on one another. People receiving warm hugs from the Lord. People being healed of anxiety, depression, sickness, and cancer. Can you imagine people in 
neighborhoods and living rooms talking about the real Jesus. And confessing him for the first time. And being baptized. Committing their lives together. Can you see it? Can you see it? Would you pray it?